Good evening and welcome to another French Football Weekly pod. I'm Philippa Booth and I'm joined by Jeremy Smith. Hi, Jez. Hi. And Richard Allen. Hi, Rich. Good evening. And we're all a little bit under the weather this evening, so if you hear coughing and spluttering, we do apologise, but we're going to be cracking on with what's been happening in French football since we spoke to you last, which most recently has included the Coupe de France, um, round of 32, sixièmes in French. And with that, we saw a couple of upsets uh, with... CFA, that's fourth tier Bergerac, beating Lens from League Two, and CA Bastia from National beating Nancy from uh, Ligue 1, as well as Ligue 2's Auxerre beating Saint Etienne. Now, we also had a couple of near misses with National side Chateauroux um, losing eventually. 2-3 to Lorient after extra time and a frankly chaotic match where national side Chambly ended up <coughs> losing 4-5 to Monaco after extra time. Monaco still not involved in a nil-nil all season in all competitions. So of the um, matches we saw midweek, did anybody have any uh, great uh, tips? goals or matches they wanted to tip a hat to. Jez, anything of interest for you there? Uh, for me, the main thing of interest is obviously Lance and Nancy losing. <laughs> um, <laughs> and as they were both giant killings, it made it all the better. But um, I think definitely the, the entertainment was at Chambly-Monaco. Um, Monaco obviously rested a few players, but still had a pretty decent team out there. And I think 48 minutes in, they were 3-0 up and it looked... Uh, like you know that was a done deal <coughs> and somehow Chambly got back into it and took it to extra time where Monaco quickly opened up a two goal lead again and then Chambly came back again so um, I mean that's I was going to say that's what the cup's all about it's also cliched but it's true um, it's you know a team that's kind of Jardim said beforehand that uh, with with the team still involved in four competitions, um, they have to sort of, um, I guess, show some slack somewhere. And seeing as the, they're in the Coupe de la Ligue final, which we'll talk about later, um, I suppose it's obvious that Coupe de France becomes um, the probably the, the least important of the four competitions right now. But still, you still... You know, it's the, it's the perfect combination of um, a small team at home where it's a bit of a leveller, um, you know, the chance of chance of the, their lives possibly never going to be in that kind of position again um, against a team that, you know, the, the whole 11 together aren't at all used to playing with each other. Some of them are probably not entirely switched on, others maybe not match fit. And that's exactly what you hope for, um, you know, really exciting match, you know. Sadly, well, I mean, I think we, we've all developed a soft spot for Monaco this year, so maybe sadly isn't the right word. But it's a pity that the, the minnow didn't get through in the end, but it was just great to see. Exactly. And Rich, did you catch any of the action? What did you uh, pick out? Uh, I have um, sadly seen back some of the Ren PSG game. Aha. Uh-huh. Um, the, the the same we only had the same league fixture only a couple of weeks ago and um, 
Ren perhaps did enough there to give me a, a little bit of faith that they might be able might be able to scrape something from the game. Um, then they announced their eleven for the for the match last night, and you know you had the likes of Dimitri Cavare, you had Afonso left back who was making his debut after being signed back in the summer. You had Clement Chanton. Yep, yeah, he's still alive. Um, <laughs> and he was playing and 4-0 it finished. And, and to be honest, 4-0, I, yeah, I'd have probably taken 4-0, I think, <laughs> having seen that team. Um, it, it's just, you know, you thought they've, they've, they've struggled over the last few weeks, Ren. You'd have thought just put a little bit of a stronger team out. You know, you, you ran PSG so close last time in the league. Yeah, only only lost one nil, but you know, Ren could have had something from that game. You know, they got um, Giovanni Co back from uh, African Cup of Nations. You know, central striker who they perhaps been have been lacking the last few weeks, but no, it, well, he, I mean, he played, but it was it was a noticeably weakened team. Some of it was enforced, uh, some of it not, um, and it was just it was just chaotic. I think PSG were just going very kind on us. One one plus note, I suppose, from my point of view, and I think a lot of pe- a lot of people's point of view was the return of um, Pastore. Came on, got an assist, a bit of an iffy assist, I will say. You know, it was a pretty sharpishly taken free kick that led to Ben Arthur goal. Um, but um, you know, seeing him on the pitch, nonetheless, is is always a good sign. So we had the draw earlier and unfortunately we didn't get a kind of a kind draw where minnow v minnow happened a lot. So uh, what we've got is two Ligue 1, all Ligue 1 uh, clashes, Bordeaux-Lorient and the big one is Marseille versus Monaco which should be very interesting. <coughs> of the lower league teams, um, Frejus, uh and Bergerac, who are the last remaining CFA four-tier teams. Exactly, Jez. <laughs> He's so disappointed that Bergerac and Gro- uh, Granville aren't still in it because that would be like a 1980s TV throwback special. But uh, Frejus are playing Auxerre from Ligue 2 and Bergerac are hosting Lille, who, you know, that could happen. But there isn't uh, really the possibility where a guaranteed one of the lower league teams going through, except we do have Avranche from National hosting Strasbourg from Ligue 2. So somebody who isn't top flight is also going to go through from there. So those are, will be happening soon. The other thing that happened recently with the Cups, uh, as we said, was the uh, Coupe de la Ligue semi-finals, where PSG rolled over Bordeaux 4-1. And Monaco beat Nancy uh, 1-0 with a goal from Falcao, which is possibly the best ever goalkeeping Rick you're ever going to see from Guy Ndiasembe, who was just back um, in the Nazi side. It's it's pretty horrendous, but um, that sets up a PSG versus Monaco Coupe de la Ligue final on the 1st of April. So they're both in that silverware. Now, we mentioned earlier a little bit about people coming in, people moving on, etc. with the transfer side of things. We just thought we'd, there's been a lot of movement, obviously, it is France. So we thought we'd maybe pick out one or two transfers each that 
sort of uh, encapsulated a little something or uh, defined um, a little something about French football. So maybe, Rich, do you have any key transfers that you think tell us anything about the game? Um, I mean, in terms of key, I suppose... <laughs> if you look at some of the, the bigger sides in the division and the, and the signings that they've made, um, if you perhaps start with the, the one of the bigger signings was uh, Julian Draxler coming in at PSG. Uh, I think we all agreed he perhaps wasn't necessarily the player that PSG desperately needed. Um, but you can't fault the fact that he's come in, he's scored goals, he's scored good goals, um, he's played well. Um as I say, I think it still papers over that, that he was a sign they didn't need to make, but it was a big-name signing. He was obviously a player that they'd been after for um, quite some time, so I think they'd made, uh, made advances back in the summer as well. Uh, so he's made a good start. We, uh, the, the two main, I suppose, the two main transfers for the league were, were your, your Memphis Depay to, to Leon, and then obviously <coughs> Dimitri Payet and his... Uh, eventually got it over the line deal, then coming back to uh, back to Marseille. We've spoken those, spoken about both of those, I think previously, uh, mm-hmm. given our opinion on them. Um, if I if I touch if I touch on my own club, it was a it was a bit of a transfer window to forget for Ren. Um, it started, it, well, it seemed to start ages ago with. Um, I mean, window wasn't even open, and Paul Nardi, a goalkeeper that we all like, he's appeared in the 15 numerous times. We took him on loan at the start of the season, uh, played one game for us, and conceded seven goals against Monaco. Mm. <laughs> was uh, was not a happy was not a happy chap. He was he was given assurances of playing time that Costil was probably not going to be hanging around in the summer. Costil did hang around in the summer, and therefore Costil played. So Paul Nardi left, and then that then just seemed to trigger a, a, a slow, a slow flow, I suppose, of players, and sadly for Ren, good players. There's few and far between for Ren at the minute, but <clears throat> the good players that they do have seem to have drifted away, and then it probably led to the two big, big ones being Paul George and Tep going for a bit of a bargain, really, sort of eight or nine million euros to Wolfsburg. Uh, I think he could have gone somewhere more high profile. I do think that. I know he's been out for a long time with injury. I still think he has the talent to have gone somewhere slightly better, but good luck to him on his debut, assisted the, the winning goal, so great start from there. And then Kamal Grzycki, eventually, I think one of the last signings of the, or last uh, transfer fee paid signings of the transfer window, eventually then got his move out of, Ren, he'd been after that move for quite a while. Um, back in the summer, he'd uh, only just missed out on a move to Burnley and then sort of expressed his concern about the security situation in France and, and how safe that was necessarily or not for the, was the case for, for him and his family. But he eventually got his move to Hull City. Um, we shall see. You know, I, I don't think the ambition was there with that move. I think that was more just a... It's a club that's not Ren, and it'll get me out of France. Kind of a move, but it's not. It's not. It's not been a great transfer window for Ren. You look at players they brought in. Uh, Aldo Kalulu from from Lyon, young player, incredibly raw, makes Maxwell Cornet look like a seasoned pro. I think <laughs> um, he's not had the best of starts. And then we brought in Rice and Bowley. I think 
we spoke just before the re- recording started. Pretty decent signing. Um, signals, absolute clear signal that that means Costil's off then in the summer. On a free, that's going to be as well, which is going to be quite galling. And then, of course, the transfer window was crowned with the marquee signing on a uh, free transfer. The one, the only, and I hope everyone's sitting down when I announce this, Morgan Amalfitano. He, he of former Lille, West Ham, uh, where else? Marseille, was he out as well? I think you can stop there. I mean, I think we... Please do, we've... please stop me. The, the, there's been some some interesting ones. Obviously, OM have recruited a, de- a decent amount, reinforced a lot. Evera, Payet, Sanson, Certic. But um, I think those of us who are uh, followers of Lino Therese on Twitter and his wonderful, wonderful video compilations will really miss Roman Alessandrini, who apparently has gone to the LA Galaxy for €3 million. Euros. We are going to miss those compilations. Um, and I think that's kind of in the same vein. One thing we did notice was Monaco getting four lone players back during January and immediately sending them all back out again to different clubs. But they've also brought in Jorge from, and this is in inverted commas, Flamengo because of uh, possibly some some confusion in the past. Uh, PSG with Draxler coming in, but also Guedes coming in, uh, another £30 million player. But Jez may be at a slightly lesser financial level. What have you seen happening uh, in and around the transfer market? Um, (coughs) Apart from the, the obvious ones, I think the two possibly that stand out for me and... Um, well, Marseille, first of all, to me, the other two signings, the ones that aren't Payet and Evra, I think Sanson and Sertic are much more interesting signings. Payet, um, I think, well, I think both of them we discussed last time out. I'm not really sure it's such a marquee signing anymore. Um, I don't think he's covered himself in glory, himself in glory with his attitude, and he's not young, and the circumstances of it, you know, him missing Marseille, want to go back, his wife wants to go back. I'm not sure it's any kind of statement signing actually from them. Um, and Evra, like I said before, I just, you know, if if we played Ryder Cup rules and had non-playing captains, brilliant. By all accounts, he's such a great leader, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I still think he's well past it on the pitch. Um, and even... Um, you know, in in their sort of sorry that shellacking of, of Montpellier the other day, mm-hmm. um, you know he oh yeah he didn't cover himself in glory. I think, well, I think it, it, it was five one, and he was <clears throat> the guy that gave away the free kick that made it you know the traditional scoreline. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I think Sertic is a clever signing. He's quite versatile, and we we all love Sanson. The t- the two signings that that I think will prove possibly to be the maybe the best signings are um I think Obadi Tanis is mm-hmm. is a pretty canny signing. Um obviously, you know, it's quite sad that it sounds like the the main reason that it went wrong at Lille was because of quite a nasty uh, armed robbery which I think terrorised him and, and his wife in particular, so they were really looking to leave. But I think he could be a good addition to the Nice squad, um adding a little bit more um experience and, and uh Sort of defensive cover if need be in in their midfield, um, and the other one 
I think Toulouse really had been on, on poor form recently and Braithwaite's such a kind of streaky player he seems to, a bit like Erding seems to sort of score in fits and bursts and then go missing for, for months he had such a great start to the season I'm not sure he's I think he's, he's still popping up occasionally with goals but I think they needed something to kind of stem their fall down the table and Delore could turn out to be a really good signing um, if yeah. he can, if he can sort of get back to the form that he was in at Caen, um, and then to do the same as Rich and look at my own team, um, Diane had a great first game, got sent off in the second. Diabate had a great first game, didn't um, play well at all in the second. Obviously, he's reliant on decent service, which he didn't get. Um, so jury's still kind of out on both of them, and just to keep up Messi's comedy value in recent times, um, they've now been distracted by the fact that um, their shirt sponsorship from Chad, the Chad Tourist Board, um, which caused a lot of controversy in the first place, surprise, surprise, is probably going to get cancelled because Chad haven't actually paid them for it yet. So everything's working out very well at Mets. Well, I did um, during obviously Afcon is on at the moment. There's one of the semi-finals is happening at the moment. Piers Television still no low. Still no half time. But pulled out of qualification on the grounds that their football federation couldn't pay for the team to participate. So the fact that their tourist board appeared to be sponsoring a foreign football team seem, did seem slightly weird to me. Um, it seemed wrong to me, but if we were going to get that travel money, I didn't mind so much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're, they're looking at um, issues going forward there. I mean, elsewhere in admin, obviously Montpellier's um, Mercato was sans sans going to uh, Marseille, which is problematic. And now, Frederick Hans has been put on gardening leave, it seems, um, particularly after the 5-1 shellacking away at Marseille. So we've got um, Gasset and Patrick uh, Pascal Baez is back um, looking after the team, which is, you know, again, more disruption for Montpellier. We've had... Um, Owell had took some flack because somebody was pictured with posters in the crowd against Lille, uh, which were of a sexist nature, implying that women shouldn't be in the stadium. I wasn't quite sure if it was two posters or one poster with two different sides on it, one saying men in the stadium, women in the kitchen. But um, obviously this being Lyon, um, which is one of the clubs which for women's football is one of the most important possibly in the world. Uh, Wendy Renner asked a couple of uh, pointed questions. There has been action taken. Lille also sweetly have uh, said that um, women can attend this weekend's game for free because they don't think that this sentiment was at all appropriate. Uh, We've also got Bastia who have basically got some pile up disciplinary issues they've had a stand closed for two games due to pyro against Marseille in December the racism issue is ongoing Um, so there's quite a lot of admin going on as ever in French football as we look forward to the next round of games where we have some tasty fixtures including 
Monaco versus Nice. The top two separated only by goal difference. But when I say only, this is Monaco's goal difference. So it's plus 43 plays plus 23. And there's also Saint-Étienne versus uh, Lyon, which is always a fairly feisty occasion. So when we look forward to uh, week 23 in Ligue 1, what would be the key matches you'd pick out? Jez, what do you think? Um, Monaco-Nice is obviously the one that, that springs to mind. Um, Saint-Étienne-Lyon, not so much, just because I don't think it's going to be anywhere near as entertaining. But you have to imagine or hope that uh, yeah, Monaco-Nice is actually going to be decent football as well as um, hopefully a close match-up and obviously one with more sort of relevance to the to the title race. Um, I'd expect on current form Monaco to, to come out on top. I mean, nice had a, a very good win um, last weekend which was I think their, their first, possibly the first win of the year and uh, yep. They haven't actually won. I don't think they've won away from home for quite a while, actually. So you've got to um, think since the end of November. So um, you certainly have to fancy Monaco, but I'm sure you know. I I, I don't think Nice are the type that are going to um, park the bus. So you know, I'm I'm really hoping that's a, a good match and a, a good advert for for Liga. Rich, what do you think? Uh, like Jez, I, I think Saint-Étienne and Lyon will be, I think as you said as well, it'll be feisty. I don't think it's going to be high necessarily on quality. It's probably going to be you know, decided only by the odd goal here or there. Um, for me, the, one of the intriguing ones, just for, for considering how tight it is at the bottom, um, you've got Montpellier-Bastia. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that, that well, talking of feisty... Potential that could that that could potentially get quite feisty as well with Bastia having rediscovered their uh, red card boots <laughs> of late. Um, so I think that could be a game to watch out for because it is just so <clears throat> tight down the bottom. Um, you know, between Montpellier in fifteenth, Mets in in nineteenth, there's only two points separating them. So it's it's a case of you know you're scrapping even at this relatively early stage of the. The running, I suppose, you're scrapping for every point you can get. So it's not going to be a game high on quality. It's probably not going to be a game high on goals, but it's going to be a game high on teams desperate for points. Yeah, and I think also another complicating factor down there, as we mentioned earlier, is that you've got Caen in 18th and Mets in 19th. Both have games in hand. Now, Caen are playing Nancy, which will be on the 21st, and that's also involving, you know, bottom half teams. Obviously, Mets are playing Lyon, so that might be less of an issue, possibly. But, um, yeah, we've got some interesting um, interesting confrontations there. And also, I mean, there is a massive gap between the top three, obviously, and Lyon, who have that game in hand. But also then between Lyon and five, six, seven, eight, nine, who were possibly going to be fighting for the last European spot, depending how the cups pan out. So we've also got a Bordeaux-Rennes coming up this weekend, which could be a little bit of a, um, uh, a complication on that front. But 
Yep, I mean, Monaco Nice is going to be the one I think we're all looking at. Looking at the exterior table, Nice haven't... It was, I'm just checking here, it was the end of November when they last won at home, but they're not beaten away from home in uh, in five. So you've got two teams, Monaco home away, doesn't really possibly seem to matter that much for them but Nice you know this is going to be a very interesting because they are so close together as well a really interesting matchup that's going to be happening on the afternoon slot on Saturday before PSG play their first multiplex game Saturday evening for ages I'm not sure that's happened this far this season that they've played the eight o'clock slot on Saturday but they'll be away at Dijon who we were just discussing before the podcast of the obviously promoted teams you got Metz in 19th <coughs> but Nancy and Dijon are both on 24 points the 13th 14th they look okay I mean when it comes to looking at maybe relegation candidates the promoted teams aren't necessarily aren't necessarily you know kind of uh, bang on for that I think Nancy are one of the lowest scorers in the league. They've only scored 16 so far and they've just sold Clement Longley to Sevilla, which isn't going to help in, you know, defending um, that much. How do we see maybe the 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 relegation battle panning out and what's going to happen over the next couple of couple of games? Jez? I think, um, as you said, it's so close down there. It's really hard to... Hard to tell, but um, Lorient <coughs> has a little bit of ground to make up, and, and you, you have to wonder if, um, you know, we've seen it before with Social almost doing it, Evian doing it, Toulouse doing it. It's not impossible, but you wonder if Lorient are a little bit too far behind. Um, and then after that, I mean, I my natural pessimism says that Mess are also now down to go, nailed on to go down, but. You know, for example, this weekend they've got pretty much a fit squad. So as long as Bissavac doesn't go around punching anyone in the face and Drift's leg doesn't break down in the middle of the first half, they could genuinely, I think, possibly give Marseille a bit of a run for their money. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, you, you look at teams that um, uh, are kind of on a bit of a downward spiral. There always seems to be one that kind of plummets after a good start. Um, and Hello! So you, well, yeah, I mean, I, I was actually looking at Angers, and as I said before, it seems crazy to say because they're in 10th place, but I don't think Toulouse are in a good place at the moment. No. Um, I, c- I could see them slipping. Um, obviously, the, this year there's that extra interest that there's only two who automatically go down and running plays in the playoff. <coughs> um, so I don't know if you're if you're asking me to predict, but... I'm going to say bottom three in any order, Lorient, Metz and Angers. See, I'd, 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 yeah, I'd go along with Lorient, I'd go along with Angers. I just don't see how Khan can turn things around. I'm, you know... They scored, they're, you know, their actual goal scored is not bad. They've got a game in hand, it's against Nancy. Yeah, I I don't know. They they could do that thing again. They, I mean, they, they, seem they, very, they, um... they seem very Santini reliant. 
Yeah. I haven't looked at the percentage, like how many, what percentage of all their goals are his, but he seems to be the one who comes up with important ones. Well, the defence is to, I mean, you know, Verkutra is Verkutra, you know, he'll produce an amazing save and then three amazing balls up. So, <laughs> um, but, you know, I look at the likes of you know, Dijon. Dijon are scoring goals. Um, and you know, that's always going to be, you know, a way of the best way of staying up is if you can score goals. Doesn't quite necessarily matter as much then on your defensive side of things. Nancy, perhaps the opposite. Nancy don't score many goals, but actually have got quite a tight defence of late. Um, so I can see that, you know, I could see that continuing. If I'm honest, it, it's Angers. It's you know, if if you're reliant on bringing in Kevin Berrigo. You've got problems. Seriously, though, um, Angers' striking problems were so striking that against Saint-Étienne, they ended up playing a centre-back up front. And he did score, to be fair to him, but it still didn't kind of work out. But they will be getting a couple of players back from Akon. Um, but the thing is, if you look at the goals scored column, Dijon and Montpellier have scored 30. Right? Nobody outside the top four, I'm looking at the table now and wondering if I'm wrong, but nobody outside the top four has scored more than 30. And they're both down their bottom half looking like a relegation battle. It's... I was listening to the uh, Double Pivot podcast the other week where um, the mics were saying, basically, you look at French football and the stats just blow all of your models. There's no there's no rationale. The French football league on does not follow the assumptions you'd normally make about what statistics mean. And yeah, yeah, I think we're, we're, we're seeing that. So that's uh, cool. You know, I think perhaps just one thing feisty to say about, and different. <laughs> one thing to perhaps say about Dijon and to tie back to what we were talking about transfers. Perhaps the biggest and and best piece of business was Dijon keeping hold of Diony. Yeah, Six goals, five assists in the league is. I didn't you know, actually see any rumours about him going anywhere. Well, I, I, unless I missed thing. them, I was surprised. Really no, that surprised, surprised me. Yeah. yeah. So, so but also to, to getting hold of him. Getting Mediabede back, obviously, slightly earlier than they were probably expecting. Um, I'm sure they're very happy about that because he's been, you know, a, a absolutely cracking in midfield for them, chipping in with the goals, with the assists, and is just a wonderful player as well. So we're um, uh, hopefully they will um, keep keep on keeping on. Uh, so we've got uh, that. Round of games uh, kicking off on Friday with Mets hosting Marseille before that wonderful, we hope, Monaco-Nice um, on Saturday afternoon and then finishing off with the Saint-Étienne versus Lyon uh, derby on Sunday night. So, uh, if you have any questions for the next pod, do send them over to the Twitter or the email. Um, in the meantime, it's... Uh, my thanks to Jeremy Smith, Jez, and Richard Allen. <laughs> and much. we'll speak to you again very <laughs> soon. All right. Goodbye.